welcome to series four, episode three of York Hospital Ball. This week's guest is Scott Kerr, key cog of the 2012 double side. Scott started his career at Bradford City, but established himself at Scarborough, then Lincoln City, who he made 249 appearances before Gary Mills signed him for York City in 2011. In his time at Booth and Crescent, Scott became a fan favorite for his combative style and ability to get on the ball and make the side tick. Scott went on to be voted by fans in the team of the last decade as well as player of the year in 2012. This podcast is proudly sponsored by York Foot Golf, a fantastic activity to do socially distant with friends or as a family and it's just three miles from York City Centre located on the A19. Visit yorkfootgolf.com yorkfootgolf.com for more details. It is open all of September. For now, here is episode three, Scott Kerr. Right, Scott, so you're best known amongst York City supporters for the huge role you played in promotion 2012. And I was looking back at that, and Gary seems to have a real sort of good blend of sort of youth and experience. And obviously you, you fell into that latter category. You had a successful career before York City. And that started yeah. at Bradford City, who you first joined in 1995. Just tell us about your memories of sort of growing up at Bradford City, because you were there quite a long time. I know you didn't play too many first team games from B, but you had a, a long kind of spell sort of serving your apprentice there, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. To be honest, I was I was actually, I was at Leeds United up until that time. I was at Leeds United from sort of seven-year-old up to 13. And then I got released uh, from Leeds. Uh, they said I was too small and for whatever reason. And luckily, I got picked up on the very next weekend playing for my, my local team, Files of Celtic. There were Bradford Scout there and I got picked up. Asked to go down for trial, rest history really. I ended up signing schoolboy forms at 14 and then did my YTS when I left school and then signed a two-year pro contract. Obviously for me at the time, we was in the championship, got promoted to the Premier League. So it was a tough time. to. Be, it was a good time to be there, but also a tough time to, you know, to try and break into the first team. And I was always on the fringes of the first team really. There was a lot of politics at Bradford at the time, to be honest, with the chairman that was involved and the management managerial teams and stuff that were maybe not given given the license to pick their own team, should we say? So it was always going to be difficult, but you know, I had good times at Bradford. You know, you know, I always look out for Bradford's results, even though I'm a Leeds fan. You know, so yeah, it was it was a good it was a good good time. Because you were training with likes of Benito Carboni, Stan Collymore, Dean Saunders. And then I was looking as well, that there were some real big characters there, weren't there? like Robbie Blake, Dean Windass, Lee Sharp, Peter Beagree. I mean, how was that as a young lad being in that dressing room? Because it must have been fairly intimidated, I guess, with those sort of characters there. Not really. I think as a young lad, it's... You're a bit fearsome, aren't you? You don't really have much fear as a young kid. Obviously, you had a lot of respect for them sort of players, you know, growing up seeing, you know, like say you mentioned Carboni, Stuart McCall as another one, very similar, similar sort of player to myself position wise. And I think what it did was just give you the, you know, give you the drive to become successful. And, you know, you're learning from certain players with different abilities and different qualities, really. But I think at the time, you don't really, I think you just take it in your stride. I think like you just mentioned it there, but you maybe look back and think, actually, <laughs> it was a big thing playing and training with them. But for me, it was just a thing day in, day out, did it, and you just tried to learn. But yeah, there were, some of the players were quality. You know, you mentioned Carboni first. He was another level. And to be fair to him, he was, he was the first in the training and the last out. He would day behind practice free kicks. He wouldn't leave the training on Sunday until four o'clock. 
You mentioned there as well about being on the fringes. Uh, I think you played yeah. in the Intertoto Cup and in the League Cup. And then I think you, did you come on in the, on the last day of the season in the Premier League against Coventry? Yeah. You kind of went, went to Hull City shortly after that. Was there any sort of a temptation to stay with Bradford as they were getting relegated and you might have got a, a yeah. bigger opportunity yeah, in the, the league below? Yeah, there was, to be honest. It was a tough one for me because obviously when I, in and around the first team, Paul Jewell had a really good... You know, good relationship with Paul Jewell, and he was, you know, he was an hard manager to work under. He was tough. He, he expected high standards from everyone day in, day out. And I always say, you know, he was one of the reasons why my attitude was so good, and you know, discipline and stuff like that. Because you knew you had to work for what you got. And then, unfortunately for me, when I signed my, my two-year contract under Paul Jewell, he left very shortly after. Um, and went to join Sheffield Wednesday. So it was quite disappointing. Then Chris Hutchins took over. And no disrespect to Chris Hutchins, but, you know, I think he was just basically brought in as a yes man. He was a great coach. He was an unbelievable coach, one of the best coaches I've worked under. But as a manager, they gave him the job and then signed all these players that were big characters on big money. You know, everyone knew they wanted his signings. And he did say, you know, everyone's going to get a chance. And I think I played all pre-season and then I played in the Intertoto Cup and did really well. And then all of a sudden, once the, the games come, never be, be given a chance really unfortunately because you're not a high profile enough name at the time because you're a young because they've bought all these players at... yeah maybe maybe I'm not one of these bitter people that'll go oh, I didn't get my chance because of this you know I suppose ultimately if I would have been you know if I'd have been ripping up trees like I was a big prospect but ultimately if I was good enough I'm sure I'd have played maybe more games I said yes I hear a lot of podcasts and a lot of people say oh I didn't get given a chance because of this, this and that. And you know, I don't like to go down that route. You know, I had a good career and things could have been different, different things, different that. But at the time, we had a lot of high-profile players on big money, so they're going to want to play and they'll have certain clauses in contracts that state that they have to play. And, and as a young lad on a couple of hundred quid a week, then, you know, maybe you're going to be at the back of the pecking order a little bit. But I think that was one of the reasons why when I left, it was under Jim Jeffries, the Scottish manager that came in from Hearts. And the time under him wasn't the greatest they tend to bring in a lot of players from Scotland. We signed half the Hearts team. As I found throughout my career, a lot of managers want to bring in their own players. You know, they're trusting players. And so that's, you know, fair enough. And then Old City put an offer in for me. I had, an, I had a year on my contract and I just decided to, that it'd be the right move to go and get some games really. Get, you know, maybe drop down the leagues and maybe play some games and then maybe move back up the league. But that was under Brian Little, wasn't it? Yeah, right? Brian Little was the manager. Yeah, Brian Little was the manager at the time. I went there and signed a three-year contract and then, unfortunately for me, about a week into pre-season, I, I got a bad back. <laughs> didn't know what it was and, you know, it ended up being a slip disc in my back that ultimately didn't rectify itself, you know, with treatment and out to have an operation at like 19 year old, yeah. Kept me out for a year. We were you worried at that point then, because you said about the way things kind of work in football, were you worried at that point that that might have affected your whole career? Like you, you might not have a, a football league career if a yeah, back injury hadn't sorted itself out? Definitely, because obviously at the time when I was going in, in for my operation as well, they give you the all, the, you know, tell you what can happen and, and the risks and stuff like that. And the risk that, I potentially may not play again and stuff like that. So it was a worrying time. And then, yeah, obviously, when you're coming out of that, you don't know whether the op- you know, you've got things in your mind whether it's going to be successful or not. But thankfully, you know, for myself, it, the operation was successful and I managed to, you know, work hard to get back to fitness and have a successful career. That career kind of took off a little bit more once you moved to Scarborough, wasn't it, in, in 2003? But I think you played yeah. about 80, 84 games for him, I've got written down here. And one of those was when you came on at Booth and Crescent against York City in a, in a 2-0 win. I mean, I know it's not quite Rangers-Celtic, but <laughs> are you aware of the kind of rivalry between the two sets of fans? And, and can you what, what's your memories of, of that kind of time and that game? Yeah, I was, to be honest. Obviously, going to Scarborough, and I had friends that, that played at York and people that, 
I'd played against at York and stuff like that. I think at the time I'd played in the England non-league team with a few of the lads who were at York, Andy Bishop and David Stockdale and stuff like that. So, And I think at the time I'd seen it at Scarborough because I think we won 5-0 in the, in the first leg at Scarborough. And I, I was injured at the time. I think I was injured or suspended or one or the other. And then... Obviously, I was on the bench because we'd be at 5-0, but the atmosphere at Bootham was, yeah, it was un- unbelievable that day. You know, I think it was a full house and Scarborough, they filled the away end as well. So, yeah, I was aware of it before, but until you sort of in, in that hostile environment, you don't realise what it's like. Uh, but yeah, that was an unbelievable, um, unbelievable atmosphere. And I think we ended up winning that two 0 as well. Two goals in the last last minute, I think. Or last couple yeah, I think minutes. it were it was nil nil when I come on. I think so. I'll take all the credit for that. I think. <laughs> Give me some assists. <laughs> no, it was quite a cagey game to be honest. That one, but yeah, we scored a couple of goals late on. I think Chrissy Senior scored one or two of them. Right, he used to always yeah. seem to score against York, even when he played for Ultronham, yeah. <laughs> didn't he, later on? I mean, one of your highlights for Scarborough must must have been the uh, the one nil defeat to Chelsea in the FA Cup. And I managed to find some sort of weird YouTube highlights with a Norwegian commentator. I don't, I don't know how that's quite worked. But it, I mean, it was a, a full-strength Chelsea team, wasn't it? And and what was it like playing against Frank Lampard? Because he, he hit a shot, didn't he, from it? It must have been about 35 yards. It's cannoned off the bar in a, after about a minute. What was it like playing at playing against him in the middle of midfield oh it was unbelievable because that's a, it's a, it's another one in it again you know as a young lad watching players watching match of the day in the Premier League you aspire to sort of play against these and play against these sort of players to, to see where you're at really you know see whether you can compete with these sort of players and you know the whole cup run to be honest was, was an amazing thing for me and the club but the Chelsea game was just oh, it was unbelievable they had a full full strength squad throughout. Emmanuel Petit played as well. Who's you know World Cup winner and Joe Cole. You know you can the list goes on. You know I, I had a good game. I think I, well I got man of the match in that game live on Sky. So got a lot of good memories from that. I actually got Frank Lampard's shirt after the game, and he he actually said a few nice things after the game about himself and you know how well I did and how good I was. And they're all memories that you can you know you can pass on to your kids and grandkids. But going back to the shot that you mentioned, yeah, I think it happened about a minute. I think I threw my body. I, it come across and I think I dived in to try and get a block and he hit it and yeah it just rattled about I think we were all thinking Christ what's going to happen and then I think John Terry scored an header after about five minutes so we were up against it but competed and we stayed in there and we watched it back we should have had a penalty in the last minute I think Gallas handballs it and maybe should have had a penalty and Got a, you know, got a chance for replay, but people say to me, Do you, maybe going out on how we did losing 1-0 and putting up a good fight was maybe fitting because if we could have got, you know, if maybe if we'd have gone to Stamford Bridge, we maybe could have got a bit of an, a bit of an hiding down there. Yeah, but then again, maybe the, the financial benefits of having a replay might well have kept Scarborough afloat a bit longer because it, it was only a couple of years later, wasn't it, that they ended up getting into financial trouble? Yeah, it was, it was a weird one, to be honest. No disrespect to the club, but I think the club were, it wasn't run the greatest. Lack of staff, maybe, lack of funding I think the club they reckon the, the club made a million pound over that cup run from start to finish you know from, from beating Hinkley in the qualifier to beat Doncaster Port Vale went to Southend and Drew and got the replay and we sold out the McCain for the South End game and then sold out the Chelsea game And but then yeah something weird happened not long after yeah I don't know what went on behind the scenes and stuff but yeah, the club obviously went pretty much bust not long after that my contract was up and I had a few offers to leave and I think Scarborough there was a bit of a how should we say there was a bit of a misunderstanding to be honest Scarborough thought they were going to get a fee under the Bosman ruling because I was only 22 or 23 when I left and I ended up leaving as a free agent to go to Lincoln and I got a bit of stick for it I got blamed a little bit for saying it was my fault that the club didn't get any money and but it was actually their fault they didn't 
they didn't offer me a contract in writing by the first week in May. I then become a free agent. So it was their fault, but that come down to the lack of staff. The secretary had obviously not got the um, the contract I'm writing to me. So they had to backtrack a little bit and apologise for slander early because ultimately I'd not done anything wrong. Moving on to that, that Lincoln move, I mean, it, that first year was obviously a pretty successful one for you. I was reading about your, your first goal, which was against Fulham in what sounds like a, a crazy game. It was 5-4, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it, after extra time at Craven Cottage? Yeah. And, and you scored a curling free kick. I mean, I don't remember you scoring many curling free kicks for yours, but uh, <laughs> just tell us about your memories of that game. To be honest, when I went to Lincoln, yeah, it was Keith Alexander. Keith Alexander signed me and, you know, I had a great year under Keith and, you know, we got to the playoffs again. But I think the Fulham game, we'd, we actually drew Crew Alexander in the round before who were the championship team and we, we absolutely battered them 5-0 at Sintel Bank. And then we got drawn against Fulham and away and obviously you look at another you know Premier League club you're looking forward to going down there and, and pitting yourself and it was a crazy game I think off the top of my head I think we were losing 2-0 and then I think we got it back to 2-all it went to extra time and then we were 4-3 and then I, I think I scored a free kick to make it 4-3 yeah and then obviously 4-all and I, it was a crazy game end to end and then I think they scored in the last minute of extra time or something which was a bit of a, a kick in the teeth because I always remember thinking, oh, I'll, I'll take a penalty if we go to penalties. And, and then I think, I don't know, it was Heide Helgeson or or the, this, the American guy, McBride, I think. I don't know, one of them who got the goal in the last bit of a goal, half scramble and, and we ended up getting knocked out. Yeah, that were a late one back from London. <laughs> you also, you mentioned the England C team before and you, you seem to play quite a lot of games. I think you played, you had nine caps for them and, and you won a tournament and you scored against Scotland in a in a 3-2 yeah. win what do you remember from that time that was great I had some really good times with England. I obviously got called up for the England I remember getting called up for the England C team a couple of times and Russell Slade actually told me to pull out wanted me to pull out one of them the first time I got called up because I think we had a game on the Tuesday and he wanted me to play in that so I ended up pulling out of one but when I did finally get my chance it was great because it was it was actually run like a proper international team so we'd travel away on the Sunday and they'd put you up in a hotel and then you'd go away for the week it was like an international camp we'd all get together as the group of lads from each club and you know train together and stuff like that and play your international match and you and you've got you know used to get the international caps as well got them upstairs so it was really good and then Paul Fairclough was a big fan of mine who was the Barnet manager because he was the one who when I was at Scarborough they put an offer in for me did Barnet to try and sign me you know he seemed to be a big fan of mine and he was obviously the England manager as well and he made me captain of the England non-league team which was you know a great achievement um, and we were successful. We had some. We won the tournament, the Four Nations tournament that we, we beat Scotland, Ireland, Wales, I think. And and we had some good games. You know, I remember travelling to Italy to play the Italy under twenty three team, and a really good test for us. And yeah, I enjoyed my time with the England team. You know, it was good. Yeah, and, and just moving it back back to Lincoln. I mean, you know, particularly in the, in the early years, uh, you, you know, you, you had that real good partnership with Lee Frecklin, and like you mentioned the playoffs as well. There were two games against Grimsby with eight thousand in in both games. Yeah watching I mean there must have been incredible atmospheres to, to play in and, and Keith Alexander you mentioned I mean he, he looked like a real special manager to, to play for yeah he was I always have a you know I just got a goose pimple then when you mention his name to be honest He's, he was always a top manager you know, I don't think there's many managers about like him nowadays that you know he wasn't the greatest tactical manager he just looked after his players and he got the best out of players even before I went to Lincoln you know he had a team there that had got into the, got to the player final while the club were in administration and the players weren't getting paid and he just had a way of getting the best out of players and he'd always look after you know even if you had a bad game you got beat by he'd always come out and blame himself he was one of these managers that took you know took a lot of pressure off his players and I think that's the reason why he was so you know so loved and he had so many loyal players that wanted to play for him because they would literally run through a brick wall for him and give 
every ounce of that they had left just to, you know for him really um, he, yeah he was a very you know very special man to be honest during your time at Lincoln you played under Chris Sutton who was quite an outspoken sort of pundit isn't he nowadays I just wondered what what he was like to play for when you when you were there because I don't think he did particularly well no to be honest it was a strange one with Chris because he come in as manager and obviously it was a bit of a it come out of the blue and on the Saturday I was captain at Lincoln and he come in on the Saturday and he was literally coming at the, into the dressing room at two o'clock and he was like, right, I named the team and he dropped me to the bench. You know, it wasn't a nice start for me, to be honest. And then for the first six games, I was on the bench as a sub and I just carried on training as, you know, I showed a good attitude and knuckled down really and made, made sure I was the best player I could be in training. And then after that, I got my chance back in the team and he changed his opinion massively. I think he tried to make a statement really that, you know, if the captain's been dropped, no one's safe sort of thing. Then not long after that, I got back in the team and I, you know, I was playing really well and then come the end, come Christmas, he rung me up and offered me a new two-year contract, which was not, it was never heard of at Lincoln. It was always wait till the end of the season, get offered another one year and he rung me and basically just said, you know, I come in and dropped you and you know, you're, I'm over the moon with your attitude and you're a massive reason why we're being successful and, you know, he basically, he said he made a mistake. You know, he tried to drop me and maybe get me out a bit. And then he owned up to maybe making a mistake and give me an opportunity and just thanked me for that, really. So, but he was uh, similar to how he is on his house, you know, and his punditry and stuff. And he, he loved to join in five sides on a Friday and he still thought he was the best player and stuff like that. And I think the problem he had is obviously because he was such a successful career in, you know, with Blackburn and then went to Chelsea and then went to Celtic. I think he, ex- he struggled to to deal with players at League Two level. I think he expected players at League Two level to be able to do what Premier League players did. I think he maybe struggled with that sort of gap. And I think that's maybe why he wasn't as successful. And he obviously hasn't had a manager job since. Let's move on to York City. I know um, Gary tried to sign you a couple of times, I believe, um, before you actually signed in the January, possibly on loan before Christmas. How did he persuade you to drop into the non-league? Is that, is that a big deal for players? You know, if you're a football league player and... And there's an non-league club on the offer. Every player will tell you they want to play as high as they can, and you know, playing in the league is a massive. It is massive to play in the league, and I think a couple of times York City had been spoken about. I was playing at Lincoln at the time. The issue was I, at this time Steve Tilson come in as manager, and he was another one that he, he brought a lot of lads up from London, wanted to sign his own players, and he, there was just a, a bad vibe about him that he was he was trying his hardest to get me out of the team for whatever reason. But my performances were keeping me in the team. My last game for Lincoln was Port Vale at home, and I got man of the match on the Saturday. And we were supposed to be playing Bradford City on the Tuesday. And my agent rung me and said that you're... I think I don't know if you've just been beat by Southport 5-0 or something. And I think Gary Mills just realised that we need to get some bit of experience and a bit of a character that's that's not going to settle for sort of second best, really. So then I had a chat and we did um, shape at Lincoln to play Bradford City away. And I think there was going to be a, a shirt given to me that game for my 250th league game for Lincoln. So I'd gone home and I was umming and ahhing about this move to York. It was closer to home because I was always travelling from Leeds to Lincoln and I ummed it out and it got to 10 o'clock at night and I'd still sort of not made my decision and then I just decided that I'd made my decision then I wanted to, to move so I had to drive over to York at like 10 o'clock on that night to have a medical so I met the secretary was Nick at the time and then Jeff Miller and come over had a medical and got it done spoke to Gary and he was he spoke well as you know I think I've, I've listened to his podcast with yourselves he spoke well about the club and, his, and what he wanted and he was the sort of closest manager that I'd come across that was like Keith Alexander in a way that spoke a hell of a lot about his players and what he wanted to do. he wasn't really bothered about what other teams did and he's he had aspirations to say we would get promoted and stuff like that so, so I signed and then Obviously, my first game was Wimbledon, who were top of the league, and I think we beat them 4-0 or something. It was a 
it was a good, it was a good performance, a good atmosphere that night as well. Got back down here that you kind of seemed to slot in straight away. You know, it was a yeah. Rankin and, and Chambers both got absolute screamers. Yeah, Rankin only scored that goal though because he was knackered and he just shot from halfway <laughs> line. He couldn't run anymore, so he was like, I'll just shoot, and it flew but in top corner, didn't it? <laughs> he did one of the misses of the season, I think, just about a couple of minutes beforehand. Keeper saved it, but what 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 were you thinking, sort of, of, of a team that you you just kind of slotted in because got beat four 0 at Southport? Were you yeah. kind of expecting? and it's to be a, oh, I'm going to have to work really hard to, to kind of get this team uh, galvanised but then, then that performance was probably one of the best of the season yeah not not really I, I come in like I say with a bit of an open mind and I knew the one the one obviously a long time of the season left so it was always going to be a bit of a struggle to get in the playoffs so I just come with you know hopefully that my characteristics and my abilities could help the team you know improve really and just get back to enjoying my football again because I'd stopped enjoying it a little bit at Lincoln with how things had gone. So that first game was unbelievable, the atmosphere. I used to like Tuesday night games as well and, you know, the atmosphere was unbelievable and I supposed to beat the team that were top of the league and, you know, a little bit cocky and stuff to go and give them an hiding like we did. It was unbelievable and I think that was just the start from there. It just seemed to get better and better. You know, training was always good, high tempo and for myself, that's what I wanted. You know, that's what I brought. A lot of people say to me now, you know, if I'd have maybe not trained as, as hard as I did because I was used to train how I played, you know, give 110% training or playing. They'd say you make your career might have gone on a little bit longer, but unfortunately, when you've got that inside you, it's hard to, it's hard not to do that day in day out. And you mentioned there about about sort of chasing the, the playoffs. It was sort of like literally every every match York City needed to win. I think at the time, and we got a, a, a key win against Luton one 0 But you, you were sort of sent off for two bookings. I just wondered what what Gary was like after the game with you. I mean, I guess. Having won the game, he was probably okay about it. But what was he like as a manager in that sort of situation? It was fine, you know. I think we with the gaffer, it was always, you know. I think the two yellows were the, the second one was a soft one. To be honest, the kid had, if I remember right, he just sort of skips across the front of me, and I've sort of put my hands up. He's gone down, and the refs obviously it might have been I can't remember what accumulation of fouls or what, but they give me a second yellow, which was an harsh one. But Obviously, as well, I, I knew about the the relationship between York and Luton. You know that was you know you you heard about that building up to the game, so it was a massive. You know you wanted to perform, you wanted to beat Luton, um, just because of what went on previous prior to that. But no, the gaffer was all right with stuff like that. I think you know the only thing the gaffer maybe struggled with is like descent and stuff like that. You know if you were to get let yourself down, let your teammates down. But with all like that, you know he was always fine with. It wasn't like oh you know that I meant to do it was just unfortunately sometimes happens and, and even though the club sort of fell short were you quite confident in that summer once, once like Sir Jason Walker and Matty Blair were coming in that you know the York were going to really have a good go the following season for promotion yeah I think the, the way we finished the season it was I think there were enough there to show that you know if we made the right signings that we could be we could be successful uh, but then to be honest I don't think anyone would have envisaged the the way that the 2012 season would go and I think the way we played you know some of the football we played at times was you know even now you look back to it and think about it, it was unbelievable a lot of League 2 League 1 teams that weren't playing like we were playing we just seemed to have a good balance the gaffer filled the lads with confidence um, you know we had a, you know as they were aware at the time we played 4-3-3 which suited me down the ground getting on the ball all the time linking up with Paddy and Books and stuff like that and we just seemed to go from strength to strength to strength and the, the, some of the performances were unbelievable to play in it was it was just a joy to play in to be honest and that was one of the things I'd written down literally about about Paddy and Books what was that kind of worked on that system then because because Paddy for example 
I think he got about 14 goals from midfield that year. And I don't think he's ever sort of reached double figures since. So was that because you gave him the license to roam a little bit more, that he's got a different job now? I think, obviously, I, I was a, sort of a bit of a, a foil for them to, to go and get forward and get goals. And I think the one good thing, we've not bigging myself up our books. So, you know, we retained the ball really well. So even in tight areas, you know, we'd always play, we'd always have an outlet, you know, we'd always keep the ball, which give Paddy quite a lot. He got a lot of ball and a lot of, in a lot of good areas and you know he was quality especially coming from you know we'd signed him from Newcastle reserves or you know Newcastle under 21 summer and it's a big step coming from you know them sort of academies into first team football but I think it, it helped Paddy and you know and it suited his game you know maybe he's had to adapt his game a little bit now as he's got a little bit older and obviously playing in a different formation but you know that season he was quality you know he had a great left foot on him and you know he got some vital goals for us. I mean, did you feel vindicated with the 2-0 wins over Lincoln home and away? Because it must have been quite a difficult decision for you. Because you mentioned there about before about 249 games and the 250, yeah. if I didn't realise, would have been at Bradford City, which must have been a, could have signed a week later because that would have been such a yeah. poignant milestone yeah, for you. it was because that would have been, like I say, my 250th league game and it would have been a nice thing to bring up. But I had to think, you know, about the bigger picture. It would have been nice to do it, but... I had to think about my career and my own, you know, happiness. And, and, you know, it was the best decision I made, to be honest. My couple of years at York, you know, were great. Probably some some of the best football I've played in my career. You know, the most enjoyable football I played. Obviously, going back to Bradford, where it all started for me, would have been, you know, it would have been nice to to get that accolade there. Uh, But sometimes you've got to look at the bigger picture. And, you know, I've got no regrets with that whatsoever. Did you feel like a sense of pride then winning those, you know, certainly going back to Sinsel Bank and and winning 2-0? I think you were a man of a match that night as well, if I remember right. Does a footballer not really think like that is it just once you've moved on you kind of forget about your your former club well, so how's it work no no you don't forget it's a tough one I suppose it depends on how you leave at the end of the day you know I felt a bit I felt a bit pushed out of Lincoln by Steve Tilson because you know when when he was when I were going to come to York I went to see him and I said well look where does my future stand because I've got I'm out of contract in the summer and he was like oh well if York are willing to offer you a longer term contract then I'd you know speak to him so he would basically tell me he didn't want me there which I knew that anyway because he was trying to get me out but because of my performances he couldn't I sort of proved him wrong and I, so I was never happy so yeah when we played him I always wanted to make sure we you know we we won and I always said I would never celebrate against Lincoln and stuff like that which which I didn't you know if I got a good good you know off the fans but it's always nice you know to win against your old clubs and prove especially prove managers wrong that had maybe got rid of you or didn't rate you I think the hardest thing for me was with Lincoln was when I left Lincoln we were sat like ninth in the league I think and I signed for York and I think Lincoln went on and picked up one point out of ten games or something so it was sad to see them go down but on the other on the flip side it was it sort of maybe showed them that the manager potentially shouldn't have let me go to let your captain go with ten games to go and then you go and go and pick one point up out of ten games is you know it's diabolical really just sort of bringing it back to York what, what was the dressing room like you know I look back at games like the Grimsby one where I mean the foot I know it was only 2-1 in terms of the result in the oh, league, yeah. but the football that was played that day even aside from Jason Walker's wonder goal yeah. it, it was just sort of probably some oh, of the best stuff that York City fans have ever seen you know yeah. and I say that as someone who's supported him for 30 years alright it's in the yeah. non-league but, but the football was incredible and it was a joy to go and watch every week yeah. the dressing room must have been an important ingredient of that team it is 100% and I, I say this throughout my career you know a dressing room can get you 15 points a season a good dressing room gets you 15 points a season easy without you know without kicking a ball and we had that you know we had a real good group of players 
We used to go out on nights out together. We used to play golf together. We had a real close-knit group. We didn't just train and then everyone shot off into their own, you know, own directions. We were like a family, to be honest. We had so many good times together. We all kept doing stuff together. And it was one of them, I think it showed on the pitch. And I think going back to the Grimsby game, I was with Michael Coulson at the weekend. I took the kids away to a caravan at the weekend and I met Kulo. And it, we were actually speaking about that game. It's, it's what you always hear. All the Grimsby players talk about that game because they said that we literally couldn't get near you. We were just literally back to the wall. And I think they went 1-0 up. I think it were against the run of play. I think Craig Disley scored. And then, yeah, then we absolutely just battered them and it could have been an absolute cricket score. But the football that were played in that game was, yeah, it was immense. It was, it was a joy to be involved in. And speaking of Grimsby, I mean, you scored it against them in the FA Trophy away then. I didn't realise this until I was researching it last night, but it was your first goal for 121 games. You'd gone over 180 hours <laughs> without, without scoring. I remember it was, it was sort of like a flicked header, wasn't it? Yeah, it was funny because I think at the time, the gaffer was, uh, I think he just brought on John Challoner just to shore up. I think he was happy to go for a replay or I don't know, would it have been a replay or what? I think he was happy to take a nil-nil draw and maybe get a replay. I think he was telling me to stay back. <laughs> just went up and got a little glancing header in bottom corner. Yeah, it was great feeling to be honest and you know that, that goes to the semis to play Luton didn't it so um, but I didn't realise that either that it was 121 games it's been a long time that innit <laughs> I remember you scoring because I went to that game and you, and you sort yeah. of had your hands pointing to the back of your shirt yeah, in that. front of a Grimsby also... fans and obviously later on you end yeah. up signing for him well yeah so, I went down the side for him yeah and you, you mentioned the semi-final there against Luton and that was the game where Keith Keane injured you and you, you got I think you damaged your cruciates didn't you which yeah. put you out for the rest of the season that must have been yeah. You know, heartbreaking at the time when when it was literally coming up to that point of the season where you know it was such a crucial stage. What did you know straight away that that you know it was a bad one? Yeah, to be honest, also we, we beat him in the first leg one nil, didn't we? And we should have. I think they have a man sent off or two men sent off. Two, I think yeah. we had loads of chances, didn't we? It should have been out of sight, really. But yeah, going to the game, I, yeah, I knew it was a bad one. I think Meza, James Meredith, gave me a pass, a bit of an hospital pass, and I stretched for it. And initially, I thought I broke my leg when it happened. I, I've never really had a bad, other than my back injury, I've never really had like a bad impact injury. So I just knew the pain was bad. And when I went off to the sideline, I said to the physio, Jeff, I said, and it, I knew someone went right, but then the pain did ease off a bit. So when I stood up, I felt all right. And then I actually come back on the pitch and I just remember getting the ball and running forward with it. And as I run forward and pushed the ball in front of me, it felt like my bottom half of my leg wasn't attached to my leg. And that's when I went down and then I, I went off then and we strapped it up and stuff and the swelling had come out. A lot of physios and doctors do, they do like a, a test for your ACL where they pull your shin bone forward. And if the shin bone comes forward, that sort of tells you that you've done your ACL. And when he did these tests, my shin bone seemed like it was still attached. So Jeff sort of said, look, you may have got away with this. You know, when we said, we'll go for a scan. So I went for an MRI scan on the, the Monday morning and he said but I think you might have got away with it because I think he actually put an article in the press that said it might be not as bad as first four and I could be back within a couple of weeks and then he rung me on the Friday afternoon and just said oh it's bad news you've done your ACL so you know a lot of emotion to be honest it, you know I cried it was one of them because I knew how important it was I knew that that ruled me out of Wembley at the time it was for the, the FA Trophy and then as, as we all know it went on to be the the playoff final as well so it was it was hard to take especially when you've been such a successful integral part of such a successful season to then miss out on the two biggest occasions but you know I had to sort of brush myself off a bit and then 
get around the lads uh, to switch off a little bit from the player to then become boiled for the lads to give encouragement and you know get behind the lads and give them everything we need that I could give from my experience to help us get promoted still spend a lot of time then around the dressing room and yeah the gaffer the gaffer to be fair wanted me wanted me in and around it because I think Gary knew how infectious I was player and in training and he'd always pinpoint me out and say oh even if I, even if he were playing a game of tiddlywinks he'd want to win we just wanted to win all the time no matter what we did so he wanted me as you know he pulled me in and said look I want you around the dressing room as much as possible which was nice you know it was always nice it was nice to be around it because sometimes you, you hear in the past when injured players get injured you get brushed aside and you get forgotten about a little bit but you know I didn't and then I always remember getting the um, I think I got quite a few of the player of the year awards at the end of the season and I always remember getting the the Billy Fenton award was it and just to see all the lads clapping me to go I had to limp up to get it because I'd had the operation then but you know it was quite emotional seeing all the lads there and clapping me and and you know all the all the words and how people spoke about me you know how highly people spoke about me at the club it was good it was nice yeah you, you absolutely swept up didn't you the, the, all of the play, play of the year awards yeah. from, from my, and my memory is of you literally going back to the centre circle getting your name read out again and going to get the yeah, award and walking back put him out for another six months <laughs> I know yeah I said if they'd have knew that they could have like stopped me limping back and forth to get these trophies <laughs> how, how yeah, difficult was it to watch at Wembley then because oh, that must have been as a player it must be everyone's dream to play at Wembley and, and to play there twice in, in eight days it, it, oh, yeah. although obviously you'll have been delighted for the team I'm sure but it, it must, yeah, some part of you must have been thinking you know this is this is devastating it did it crushed me to be honest like I say you can switch off as much as you want and support the lads and wish the lads good luck And but when you've played 40 odd games that season and you know, played a massive part of getting the club there and obviously the surface at Wembley as well you know to, to get on the ball and pass it about at Wembley would have been but you know unfortunately it, it was what it was the positive is well my nephew was mascot for the Newport game and my son my son was mascot for the Luton game so my son my son got to go on Wembley but I didn't but <laughs> so that was that was nice you know to see him out on the pitch with the lads and, and then like you say the main thing was that we won and we got promoted it, you know it was all forgotten about the year after in, you know when I was back playing and I guess for you it, it was a, a a return back to the football league wasn't it once you got yourself fit but yeah. you, you obviously miss pre-season and that, that's always sort of thought of the players as being a real big thing doesn't it if you miss pre-season yeah. how, how difficult was it to come back after eight months were you worried about it happening again were you were you kind of concerned that you had missed that such a big chunk of time and and obviously at this stage you're, you're the other side of 30 what what, what yeah. were your memories of coming back not really I think you know I think from from the I think I was only out five and a half months after I'd had my operation so I think I was out for a couple of months before my operation but then I, I went to Lillishall a couple of times through the PFA and that was good got away down there for a week at a time and you was there three you got three physio sessions a day every day all week you were eating healthy training and they were like I think they were the ex-Arsenal physios so they were really good and that just gave me the confidence to get back and I was so eager to get back and help the lads but yeah you you always thinking in, in the back of your head you know what happens if it goes you know if something goes wrong If are you ready are you not ready and I think at the time the gaffer was pushing me a little bit to get me back fit and I think it was was it Rotherham the Rotherham game I come back on a sub and I always remember there was a I think there was a tackle in the middle of the pitch straight away and I think once I went in for it I was never pulling out of this tackle and I just hurt and all the lads I look around I could see all the lads looking at me proper looking at me like I was like I'm alright I just give thumbs up I was like I'm alright <laughs> it was literally that and everyone was like it was like everyone's breathed again 
they just went, oh, thank God for that. And it, yeah, and that was it. And it, it was a matter of then for me to start getting fit. And I remember after that game, I only played 20 minutes and the gaffer pulled me straight after the game. I went, I'm going to start you on Tuesday. And I was like, right, fair dues. <laughs> and then I, we played, was it Coventry? Yeah. Coventry in the cup. And that was hard, you know, because you, you match fitness, like you've mentioned there, you can do pre-season. But for me, it was being out a long time, just needed to get my match fitness back. And, you know, just and the only way I could do that was getting games. Gary had such such a belief in you, though, didn't he? Because I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I think the previous season in the 2012 double side, you were injured at the start of that season. Wait, I think you missed the first couple of games and then I think we played Kettering away and it was 5-1 yeah. and, and you were straight back in the team. And then yeah. this one, like you say, you're on against Rotherham for a little bit and then yeah. straight back in the team against Coventry. I mean, that, that must have given you a lot of belief. Yeah, I knew how much belief he had in me. Yeah, because the start of this conference season, I, I put my back went in the warm-up. We was away down in London. One of the London teams and my back went in the warm-up. And I think we had a, we had a good understanding of honesty, really. You know, And it was like, he knew what he, he knew what he was going to get from me and he knew you know he knew what what I'd give him and he knew everything that I brought in training as well I always remember him just saying to the lads you know go stand near Scott Kerr a little bit and you know rub against him get a bit of his want to win and do it and that all come from I always say in my career that all come from Paul Jewell you know when I trained with the Bradford first team at 16, 17 you had to be on the ball in training because if you wasn't you weren't going to be happy and that you know I took that through my career and I think that's what a lot of young lads nowadays coming through don't have but you know under a guy like I say I love my time under him I thought he was a great manager and it was a shame how he got you know personally I don't think he should have been sacked the first time we were so close you know we drew too many games simple as you know I think you look at the game that he got sacked was the Bradford City game we lost 2-0 but on the Tuesday we got to Rotherham and we were quality we were we, we absolutely bossed Rotherham and I think Ranks Ranks come on as someone he should have cleared it didn't clear it they takes a goal and that's where we were we were so dejected after the game because I think we knew there was an air of you knew something was gonna, you know, we weren't getting the results we wanted. The performances were there. We drew far too many games, and in any football league, you see it. You'd rather win one, lose one, win one, lose one, rather than draw three on the, you know, two, three, four games. And that was our, unfortunately, that was our problem. And he got sacked. And then when you're on that run and you, and you sort of, you know, dropping down the table like yo, because I think on New Year's Day after we beat Bristol Rovers three 0 and and I think yeah. we were about eight for nine or something like. That. Yeah, sort of sunk like yeah. a stone. As you as like a senior figure, are you sort of getting some of the players together away from Gary to sort of say, look, we need to sort this out as you, yeah. you hear others clubs do? What, what, yeah. what was going through the players' minds when, when this run was going on? It's always tough and you get, like I say, you get different characters, different characters going to the shell. You know, some, and text myself, David McGurk, Chris Smith, players like that to try and get. I always remember this season we got promoted, the 2012 season, believe it or not. We had a bit of a dressing room there. I think we lost to Tamworth and 2-0, I think it was away. And then just before the bath, game we were playing bath on the Tuesday night I think and we got the lads me and Chris Smith got the lads together and we just said look no, we're better than what had happened you know we need to pull our fingers out and and we kicked on from there then I think we beat Bath 1-0 with a bit of a bit of a, a scrappy game but, but sometimes it takes that you know you can't always wait for a manager you know as big characters you need to do that. and I think that's what we had at York unfortunately I think you know the gaffer brought in Des Little which no disrespect to Des Little he had a good career in that but I think that personally he had different mentality and different methods to the gaffer and Darren G. And I think that upset a lot of people, it upset a few people within the dressing room, maybe. Uh, we didn't think that much needed to be changed when we got promoted, but obviously the gaffer did. He brought in an extra pair of hands, maybe a bit more coaching staff. It is what it is. And you can you managers get sacked nowadays, don't they? They're so quick. It's, it's a tough merry-go-round. 
So, so you mentioned there that, that you didn't feel he should have been sacked, but, but Nigel Worthington came in and I think he played, started his first three games and then you made your last appearance against Port Vale because you picked yeah. up another injury. What, what, yeah. what were you thinking when Nigel came in? Because he, he from the outside, he had a completely different way of working to, to yeah. Gary and, and he, completely different sort of tactically as well and, and different sort of approach and, and clubs suddenly went a little bit more direct, which yeah. you know, people would argue was the right thing because because we stayed up but what what were you thinking from a yeah but you say that you know I, I i'm always open when new managers come in i'm willing to work to their you know their methods and stuff like that and i always remember the first few training sessions they were they were awful they were boring they were disciplinarians we he said we're going to play 4-4-2 he said the two midfielders i think at the time was me and john mcgrath who was on loan from burton and he was like i don't want to see the two midfielders pass the ball i just want you to hook it into channels i remember the wimbledon game i think and it was. My, I always remember my dad ringing me after the game saying, how was it? And I was like, oh, I think I touched the ball three times and I edited it twice. It wasn't good. But yeah, I obviously wasn't going to be sort of player. I think you wanted athletic, more athletic players to get around the pitch. But like you say there, it was obviously the right decision we stayed up. But if you look back to it, we lost the most his games playing his way the reason why we stayed up was because he went back to Gary Mills' formation we, we actually had a meeting and he changed back to 4-3-3 I got injured like I said I'd got a, a, another back injury actually affected my calf which that was me for the season I think away, I travelled away to Torquay I think it was I played Port Vale and we travelled to Torquay and we stopped off at Bristol City's training ground to train and I trained on the Friday and all of a sudden I thought I'd pull my calf muscle got back got to Torquay and Jeff come and give me a rub and he said oh it's not this is not a muscle injury it's a neuro injury it's a from your spine a disc I'd, I'd, I'd had a disquested disc it's a burst disc that damaged the motor nerve so the, the, there wasn't a signal getting from my brain to my calf so I, that was me for the season but we actually changed to back to 4-3-3 to try and get results and, and ultimately you know we did we managed to scrape through and st- stay up I, I always felt that, that York would have won some of the games that Nigel lost and, and vice versa and, and I, I, my perspective I think we would have probably still stayed up anyway were you once the club were sort of getting those results towards the end of the season and, and there were some big wins there were you looking at it thinking you know I'm up out of contract here in the, end, in the summer I'm going to struggle to get, get one here or, or are you just thinking you know I hope we stay up and I get the opportunity yeah obviously I wanted to stay up anyway but I, I think I knew the, with, the, with the way you know Nigel played and the way his tactics were and the way, he's, the way he was as a person I think I knew that my time my time at the club was up like I say the way he wanted to play ultimately the season after he was always going to try and bring in players that were to suit his philosophy and I think it just it opens up the world of management you know Nigel Wyvern had been an international manager for Northern Ireland and managed in Premier League for me he was nowhere near tactically on par with Gary Mills but McGill brought him in and he, we stayed up so it was the right decision it, it was a vindicated decision and then the year after they ended up getting in the playoffs and without really playing that well you know one of my best friends is Michael Coulson who had a real good season that year he kept nicking 1-0 wins and he was scoring free kicks and goals and, and we had Nick Pope in goal like that helped Nick a bit Pope as well. as well which helps you get you know you, it does certain things like that so the, the decision gets vindicated but I personally I knew that obviously my time was probably up. It always was a shame, but it it wasn't going to take away the you know the, the the previous two years that I'd had at the club and help get the club back to where they belonged and wanted to be. So that was a successful part on my part. But you played for a few teams since since York City, and now you kind of retired. It was has it been difficult to adjust? from being a football because obviously you've been involved in football such a long time how, how yeah. difficult is it to, to kind of go from the, the highs of kind of that 2012 side to, to a few years later having to I presume you won't have made as much money as say a Premier League yeah. player would do and oh, definitely like, not. you know you've got to get back in the sort of real world as it, as it were how, how difficult yeah. is it for a footballer to do that it's hard 
it's really hard, mate. You know, I, I, if I'm being truthful, with you, I don't think I don't think I've still come to terms with it. You know, I still play a bit of football now for a charity football team that has a few ex-pros playing and a few charity stars and stuff. But at the minute, uh, you know, I still have moments where I struggle because from from leaving school, like you mentioned at the start, from leaving school and going to Bradford City and then having 17, 18 year professional career where all you did was kick a football and work hard and day in day out, you had a routine of training and being around friends. You know, whereas now it's quite a lonely world out there and you don't get a job and you're not turning up to training having a laugh with your mates and then going out and dying on the pitch for each other and you miss that buzz of wanting to win and you know leave it all on the pitch and it's it's hard like I say I can't even give you the answer to how you get over it because I don't think I actually have and I don't know what you know whether there's obviously a lot out there for the PFA that for ex-players to try and help with you know we talk about mental health and stuff like that and you can understand and see why so many ex not just footballers, but ex-sports people do suffer with mental health. And if when it's when it's all you've ever known and all you've ever directed everything you've got towards, then it's difficult to to let go. When when you mentioned before about you know Gary Mills always really liked the fact that you were so competitive and Paul Joel yeah. kind of brought that into you from yeah. from a young age. Has that made you think about kind of still working in football and kind of passing some of that on, maybe as a coach or, or as a manager? Has that ever crossed you? Yeah, it has, and I've had you know I did some badges and I had a few I had a few manager job interviews over the last a couple of years ago for like Frickley Athletic and stuff like that in the Evo Stick Prem. But the problem is is uh, when you drop out of a light to get a job and obviously that become my my sole focus was to be able to feed my kids and pay my mortgage and then I was offered different sort of coaching roles but at the level that you was getting offered the roles there was no money it was like oh Fars of Celtic offered me a job a couple of seasons ago Adam Lakeland who's the manager there now who's been really successful but he was like we don't have any money we could give you maybe 40 quid a week and it was like to, that was to do Tuesday Thursday nights training but I work in insurance now and a lot of my, my appointments are based on a Tuesday, Thursday night. So I, I would have loved to have been able to give up my time to go do it. It wasn't about the 40 quid a week. I just couldn't afford to because if I wasn't earning out earning my money on my insurance job, then I wasn't paying my bills. So the way I sort of looked at it at the minute was, you know, I've had my career, it's there in writing, it's there in, I've got memories, I played 500 career games, I've got football sort of maybe got to take a back step now for me just because... If I'm not paying my mortgage and paying my bills and feeding my kids, then that's my life now. So I had to make a, a you know a decision on that, and that's what I did. You know, I, I still love to get. I did start. I do coach. Well, I've stopped coaching this year, but I'd, I'd coached an under sevens team all the way up to under fourteens at grassroots level and built a good little side there. But sometimes you take a back step because I have put in for a few managers' jobs as well, and you never. Sometimes it's disheartening when you don't get a call or you get an interview and you don't get the job or you get offered a job, but the budget's like terrible you've got at such a low level there's just no money so that you get given like a budget Osset Town prime example the budget was £800 a week that was for 16 players and you if you wanted to take a wage out of it so you've got to go around looking spending all your time looking for players and, and this and situation will get worse with COVID, won't it, I would imagine? Well, that it will now. I, 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 I feel sad for a lot of players, you know, a lot of friends who I have playing in non-league because ultimately, at the minute, I don't know what's going to happen because clubs can't afford to pay players' wages. And then when they do go back, they're not going to be they're not going to be offering much money for them to play. And it's the same again in it as all. I think all the money's still at the top end, not really much filtering down. And, and you mentioned before there about, about memories that you've got and you've got your career in writing. And, and one of the memories must be as well that, re, you know, not that long ago, you were voted into the York City team of the decade. I mean, that must have been yeah. a proud moment for you. It was, you know, it's, when you get voted into any team, you know, any team of the years, 
team of the decade, stuff like that. You know, it is massive. And to, to, you know, to get into the York one, it, you know, it was because they've had some great players over the years, you know, and over the last 10 years, it was a massive achievement for myself. And I always like to say I have fond memories of my time at York. It was one of the, probably one of the best times of my career football-wise. And if I could go back to it, I'd go back to it like now. <laughs> you know, if I could go back to that 2012 season, I would literally snap your hand off, turning up to training with them lads and playing the football that we played. That's why you play football, I think, them sort of games that we I always used to remember fans coming up to us saying the way you know the some of the football you've played this season is like an absolute joy to watch you know and, and that's what you do it for when you get com- comments like that it just makes it all worthwhile uh, where does that 2012 team rank amongst all the teams that you've played in your career would that would that be up, up there as number one as the, the sort of most happy you've probably been most enjoyable yeah I had some good times at Lincoln don't get me wrong with some good players but as a team as a group together the York City team 2012 was the best group best group of togetherness and football wise I believe that season we could have gone on and we could have tested a lot of league you know league teams the way we was playing and like I say it was it, it was just a shame that we couldn't you know, things change the year after and teams change a little bit and we couldn't replicate that in the league for whatever reason. And, and just sort of final question was going to be, you know, what, what's your opinion on, on the current sort of um, state of York City? Because you guys worked so hard to get us back in the football league and then, you know, we're, we're a few years on, what, eight years on and we're, yeah. we're in the National League North, you know, for, for a fourth consecutive yeah. season, it'll be next season. It, it must have a tinge of sadness with the likes of yourself when, you, when you've seen sort of su- such good times at Boone Crescent. It does, yeah. It, it's sad, you know, I always look at like for my old club, see how they're getting on and it is sad when you see like York, especially when they've been out of the league for so long and then we managed to, to get back to where we did and then they have a bit of a free fall over the couple of years and end up coming down to, you know, to the Conference North and then, you know, keep coming so close to getting back up. But it's just not, that these leagues are not easy, you know. The problem I think with York have got is, because they've still got a probably the best budgets in the leagues and they're getting the best players and they're coming up against lads who have been at work all day labouring and roofing and these lads lift the games for these and it's about attitude I think and stuff like that and I know this season's been a little bit different and you know Steve Watson and Mickey Cummins have brought in some good players and Ultimately, they should have had enough to win that league, from my personal opinion, with the squad they are. You know, whether that comes... I, I haven't been to any games, so I can't really comment on attitudes and players and stuff like that. But sometimes when you get big players that don't work and they're, they're earning good money and they're just turning up to games and maybe they'll lose that edge. You get paid good money playing conference North football. Maybe you just become... It don't mean a lot to you. But that, you know, that's just me speculating. I'm not... I don't know many of the lads there, so I'm not going to start saying. But I think next season, I'm guessing they're going to be in the new stadium, maybe. It's a fresh start. Maybe it's a start that they can start building and look to maybe for promotion next year and start getting back up the leagues. Well, I hope so. And I also hope that you've enjoyed speaking to us, Scott. It's been a pleasure to go through your memories. Yeah, no, it's been great. Appreciate that. So big thanks to Scott Kerr there for giving up his time. Always enjoy hearing anyone who played in that 2012 era, as I'm sure many fans listening do. Big thank you to York Foot Golf as well for sponsoring the episode. They're open throughout September and uh, they're hopefully going to be open sometime in October as well. I presume that's weather permitting, but go to their website for full details. That's yorkfootgolf.com. Just a bit of an update on the Richard Brodie Live event. That's Sunday the 8th of November. It will be at Haxby Sports Bar. The tickets will be really limited for that because of uh, kind of social distancing, that sort of thing. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to send a link out for the uh, details for those tickets at some point in the next week or two. 
We do have an extra podcast next week as well. This series was initially going to be just three people, but we've managed to get a fourth one in there. I'll uh, reveal that later in the week. And finally, just to say thanks for all the donations. Again, we've had a, a you know a few donations over this series. Please do keep those coming in. They make a huge difference. And, and like I've said before, e- even a pound, you know, when I compare it to the amount of people that listen to each episode, if everyone gave a pound, we, we could do so much stuff with that. So it's uh, justgiving.com forward slash your cost radio and hopefully see you this time next week. Thank you.